Lord, it is good to be gathered together. I pray that you would bless even in our gathering. Uh, Thank you for the safety that you give week by week in our assembly. Uh, Lord, we thank you and do not uh, take for granted your care for us um, on a regular basis. We thank you for being able to hear word of your care in Daryl's life. Pray that you might continue to show your hands strong and even work through the doctors for his benefit. I thank you, Lord, that we do not worship those who are merely the products of those who would seek for monetary gain and the scandal of looking to idols and all that is spent on them. Uh, Lord, but we look to you, the one true God, the everlasting King, and we pray that as we look to you, we might delight this morning together. Bless in our time now in the Sunday school hour. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I introduced last week uh, the theme of eschatology uh, by way of mentioning what our plan was for the upcoming weeks and months, uh, which is to alternate uh, week by week between uh, more interactive kind of uh, Sunday school lesson and asking questions and then having more of a lecture style um, uh, 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 presentation of the topic. And today I'm going to uh, move to that second uh, that second method of uh, teaching and look to lecture. Uh, just by way of reminder from last week, uh, we are looking to the theme of eschatology and we are thinking about what God is going to be doing, not just in our lives personally, but in Uh, bringing about the end of human history as a whole. And that's where I'll uh, start uh, this morning. As you consider the subject of eschatology, the end times, what will come in the end, there are basically two varieties of eschatology, and we'll study both as the Lord allows, if he does not intervene. Um, And as we study those two, we're going to be studying the subject of personal eschatology and the study of corporate eschatology. Uh, We're going to focus this morning more on the matter of corporate eschatology. But personal eschatology asks the question, where will I go when I die? Or it relates to questions such as, what is heaven? What is hell? What happens to my body after I die? Themes that we realize that as you go to the New Testament, you can find clear teaching from our Lord and clear teaching from the apostles on these themes. What happens to our body after death? Uh, What is the resurrection and why are we convinced that we will all be resurrected one day? Uh, If we're thinking in terms of personal eschatology, we might also ask about what purgatory is and why, in general, uh, Protestants do not affirm purgatory, while 
those of the sacramental strain, uh, Catholic and uh, more liturgical churches frequently do um, believe in purgatory. Um, so there's one kind of eschatology, personal eschatology, that seeks to answer the question, what's going to happen to me? There's another kind of eschatology, and that is corporate eschatology. And it answers the big question, what events will happen at the end of human history? When we come to the end of human history, what events will be happening? And so in this uh, vein, there's questions about Israel and the continuation of Israel, whether it will continue as a nation or not. There are questions related to the millennium, questions related to the tribulation, questions related to various judgments that uh, the Lord will bring upon people at different times and in different ways. When we're thinking about corporate eschatology and what events will happen at the end of human history, we're thinking about whether Christ will come before the millennium or after the millennium or whether, in fact, the millennium is just a spiritual idea and not a physical reality at all. Uh, these are the kinds of questions that are looked to in this theme of corporate eschatology, this understanding of eschatology, not at, on a personal level, but on a bigger and broader scope of, in terms of human history. You may be familiar with the song, that goes, when you read, you begin with A, B, C, and then continues that when you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi. And the question that I would like to ask is, uh, as we come to the topic of eschatology this morning is, what is a proper starting place for thinking about the themes of eschatology? The answer I will give is a simple answer, the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the best place to begin an understanding of eschatology, the proper place to begin in understanding eschatology. As we look to the Old Testament, we find that God is the creator, and God as the creator is sovereign over his universe. God as sovereign over his universe is directing and guiding it to the ends that he has for his universe. These things we see clearly in the Old Testament. In fact, as you go to the Old Testament, you find particular language which speaks of the end times, and you find that particular language uh, repeated in various ways, sometimes verbatim, uh, sometimes uh, close synonyms of this language, and so I'll just consider three such uh, bits of language in the Old Testament and how they relate then um, a little bit to the New Testament. But our focus is going to be on this theme, that the Old Testament is the best place to start for understanding what God is going to do in the end times. The three phrases which we'll think on are the phrase, the day of the Lord, the last days or the latter days, and the end. The end. At different times and in different ways, these different phrases are used in the Old Testament to speak of eschatological events. 
the day of the Lord. Now, we've just been uh, spending a good bit of time thinking about the day of the Lord, at least as it relates to the minor prophets. But we know that this relates beyond the minor prophets, even to the rest of the Old Testament. For example, the day of the Lord, as the Old Testament presents, will be a day of judgment, a day of judgment. Isaiah, the major prophet, Isaiah 13 and verse 9 says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. So this language of the day of the Lord is clearly used in terms of judgment. Ezekiel 7 and verse 19 They will fling their silver into the streets and their gold will become an abhorrent thing. Their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They cannot satisfy their appetites, nor can they fill their stomachs, for their iniquity has become an occasion of stumbling. There in Ezekiel, the day of the Lord is noted to be a day of the wrath of the Lord. God's judgment poured out. Joel has this same theme in terms of judgment in the day of the Lord. Joel 1 and verse 15, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. Judgment, wrath, destruction, these are all Uh, adequate words, um, partial though they are, to describe the coming judgment of the day of the Lord. This is not a theme that is constrained to the uh, constrained to the prophets. Uh, For example, judgment uh, is put forth as being due to sin. And this uh, basis in um, the judgment being due to sin is found in the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy 31 and verse 29. For I know that after my death, Moses is speaking, after my death you will act corruptly and turn from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days, for you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger with the work of your hands. Why will the day of the Lord be a day of judgment? Because... There is sin to be dealt with, sin that needs to be judged. This judgment is not just on Israel, Obadiah 1 and verse 15. For the day of the Lord draws near on all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your dealings will return on your head. The day of the Lord draws near on all nations. Uh, While those who reject the scriptures as a final resting place for authority, as a final word from what God has said and what God will do, while they may reject it, it will still come true upon them. The day of the Lord will be a day of judgment on all nations. This judgment is clearly future, at least sometimes. Malachi 4 and verse 5 Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. 
at a later point, if the Lord allows, we'll look to Matthew 11 and Matthew 17 and consider Elijah in this regard. But uh, we'll we'll do that at another time. Uh, the point being here that this day of the Lord uh, has not already occurred in every instance, uh, but largely as we look to the Old Testament, it is a future event, a future event. Sometimes, though, it is past. Uh, Jeremiah can speak of the day of the Lord in terms of the judgment that came in his day and can lament in Lamentations 2 and following. See, O Lord, uh, this is Lamentation 2.20 and following. See, O Lord, and look, with whom have you dealt thus? Should women, women eat their offspring, the little ones who were born healthy? Should priest and prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? On the ground in the streets lie young and old. My virgins and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered, not sparing. You called as in the day of an appointed feast, my terrors on every side. And there was no one who escaped or survived in the day of the Lord's anger. Those whom I bore and reared, my enemy annihilated him. I am a man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. The day of the Lord as presented in the Old Testament is a day of judgment. It is also a day that is sometimes characterized in terms of blessing, a day of blessing. Joel 3 The first two verses of Joel 3, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. Though Israel has in Joel's day seen hardship and persecution and destruction, yet God promises that there will be a day when he will restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. Isaiah 11, verses 10 through 12, point to the blessing of the day of the Lord. Then in that day... The nations will resort to the root of Jesse. To whom will the nations look? They will look to the root of Jesse. Who will stand as a signal for the peoples. Not not just for Israel, but a blessing for the peoples. And his resting place will be glorious. Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand the remnant of his people who will remain. It will be a blessing for the people of Israel as well, from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The dispersion will be undone one day, the great day of the Lord. 
Jeremiah 23 and verse 5 speaks in terms of the blessing that is found in David's righteous branch. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. Uh, One day the Messiah will reign and his people will see him and in the land they will find blessing. The day of the Lord is presented frequently as an end times uh, event, an end times happening. It is frequently presented in terms of judgment, but sometimes in terms of blessing. What is really instructive and uh, I think uh, helpful to us is that the day of the Lord is mentioned in the New Testament as well. And there, uh, though this isn't the focus of my time this morning, uh, you find some glorious expansion. 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about um, his labors among the Corinthians and the goal of his labors and how there is going to be protection of those who belong to the Lord. Um, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 8, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord. And then these glorious words, Jesus Christ. The day of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Uh, The day of the Messiah is the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul presents it there in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 8. God will keep his people blameless until the day of the Lord, Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians, you have the same kind of expansion of the day of the Lord. Um, uh, Paul is talking about his joy and rejoicing, his uh, pride in Uh, the Corinthians, as he hopes they will also uh, be uh, rejoicing in him. He says in 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 and verse 14, just as you also partially did understand us, we are your reason to be proud as you also are ours. When? In the day of our Lord Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2. And verse 2, there's encouragement for believers that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to effect that the day of the Lord has come. The day of the Lord has come. What coming of the day of the Lord are we speaking of? Well, Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 1 tells us. Now, we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. This day of the Lord, as presented in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament, is to be understand, understood in light of the Old Testament. Further, the second phrase that we'll look to is this phrase, last days. Or latter days, yes. 
So these New Testament references linked to Christ, are those the same day of the Lord? So is this all referring to one thing? No, no. So in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, as we'll get to not today, but as we'll get to later, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the day of the Lord does not refer all to one and the same thing. Okay, so we have to understand the day of the Lord in the Old Testament. What we find in the day of the Lord is we find a, a quite a variety of uses of the language of day of the Lord in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, then we find variety in, in usage of the day of the Lord. Yes. So we are not talking about uh, 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 one particular thing. Um, the last days and the latter days... Uh, 14 times this phrase, last days, is used in the Old Testament. And then uh, synonymous phrases are used a number more, uh, more times, um, depending what uh, scholar you're looking at, uh, almost close to 30 times. But I would like to read for us what one scholar says about the uh, usage of the latter days in the Old Testament. Why? Because if we're going to understand what the latter days, the last days, refer to in the New Testament, the proper place to begin is in the Old Testament. This is the whole point of this morning. The proper place to begin to understand eschatological language in the Old New Testament is the Old Testament. This language of uh, latter days uh, this scholar categorizes this language as referring to future events in seven different, uh, seven uh, different though related ways. Um, number one, Israel, and now I'm quoting, Israel will undergo tribulation consisting of exile, subsequent oppression, persecution, false teaching, deception, and apostasy. Number two, after the tribulation, Israel will seek the Lord and will be delivered while their enemies will be judged. Number three, this deliverance and judgment will occur because a leader, Messiah, from Israel will finally conquer all of its Gentile enemies. Number four, the saints of Israel will be raised from the dead. Number five, God will establish a new covenant with Israel. Number six, God will establish a kingdom on the earth and rule over it together with a Davidic king. Number seven, some of Israel's Gentile enemies will experience deliverance during these eschatological days. Now, uh, for time's sake, I left off uh, the extensive uh, list of uh, scripture references that is included here. If someone would like them, I'm happy to pass along the, the list. But the point is that this language, latter days, like the language of the day of the Lord, is used in various ways in the Old Testament. And uh, some of those ways um, I'll make mention of to you at this point. The last days we ought to understand can be revealed by God because God is able to reveal what will happen in the future. Daniel is clear in this regard. Daniel 2 and verse 28. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. You'll recall that this is when Daniel is 
um, is conversing with Nebuchadnezzar. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar that what will take place in the latter days, our, our language there, in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. It is the God in heaven who is able to reveal what will happen in the last days. No man knows the future except for repeating what God has told about the future. God knows the future in its entirety. He is able to reveal mysteries pertaining to the future. Daniel 10 and verse 14. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision pertains to days yet future. We all wish that we knew what is going to happen the rest of the month. What is going to happen with the next election? What is going to happen with the fill in the blank? We are inadequate to have any firm knowledge of what the last days will be except by looking to what God has surely and truly said. As we consider the last days, we find that the Old Testament presents Israel being reunited with her God. Jeremiah 30 and verse 24, The fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and until he has accomplished the intent of his heart. In the latter days you will understand this. Verse, uh, the next verse then, verse 31, chapter 31 and verse 1. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. What was not true in, uh, uh, in Jeremiah's day to the degree that the people were rebelling against the Lord will one day be true of Israel. They will be reunited with their God. The language of last days is used of in the Old Testament of nations being blessed in coming to the temple at Jerusalem. So, for example, Isaiah 2 and verse 2, what's really interesting about this uh, verse is that it's almost verbatim, word for word, quoted in Micah 4 and verse 1. Now, it will come about in the last days. Oh, excuse me. Now it will come about that in the last days. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. Now, what is the mountain of the house of the Lord? Mount Mount Moriah. Zion. Yes, yes. Uh, were you going to say Zion? Yes, very good. Uh, Mount Moriah, Mount Zion, it's looking to Jerusalem, the mount uh, in Jerusalem. It will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established. It will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. When? In the last days. Uh, Nations will be blessed in coming to the temple, the house of the Lord. At Jerusalem, And so we see much in terms of corporate eschatology as we look to this theme of the last days. What are some of the 
uh, big events that will happen as human history is drawn to its conclusion. Corporate eschatology. Jeremiah 23 and verse 20. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has performed and carried out the purposes of his heart. In the last days you will clearly understand it. Hosea 3 and verse 5. Afterward, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. Uh, Here is a picture of what will happen on, on the larger scale of human history in the last days. Now, interestingly, though the uh, Old Testament uh, uses this language of the last days and the latter days uh, to speak uh, with rather a, a unified voice of corporate eschatology, there was uh, some understanding of uh, personal eschatology uh, with this language of the last days. Uh, as could be seen, for example, from Ecclesiasticus 1 and verse 13. With him that feareth the Lord, it shall go well in the latter end, and in the day of his death he shall be blessed. The latter end of what? The latter end of his life. So personal eschatology, uh, what happens upon a person's death. The New Testament continues the uh, emphasis with this uh, theme of this language of last day. Uh, it continues the emphasis on corporate eschatology. So, for example, John. John is the most frequent. Um, uh, uh, you'll find the most frequent usage of this language of the last day in John. Uh, Martha, in chapter eleven and verse twenty-four, uh, says to Jesus, "I know that he will rise again. Lazarus will rise again." in the resurrection on the last day. Now we're speaking about what will happen to Lazarus uh, personally in particular, but when? In the last day, at the time of uh, the end, the major events of human history coming to their conclusion. John 12 and verse 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings as one who judges him, the word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Uh, John is not the only one to speak of corporate eschatology using this language of the last day. Uh, Paul does the same. And you're familiar with this language from 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Um, God has presented to us the truth of the Old Testament so that we might better understand the truth of the New Testament. The proper place to go for understanding New Testament language, the proper background to look to, is the language of the Old Testament. Last uh, bit of language this language of the end. Sometimes this uh, Hebrew word for uh, end is used to speak of eschatology. We uh, understand it uh, rather intuitively in terms of personal eschatology. What at, one, at one point 
in the course of our lives, we will come to our end. The end. The end of what? The end of our lives. Uh, Genesis 6 and verse 13 uh, uses this uh, when it speaks of the judgment of those in Noah's day. The end of all flesh has come before me. He's not speaking of the end of all human history, but rather the death of those who will come to their um, their uh, physical end in the Noahic flood. For the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Uh, here is uh, the destruction of uh, the flesh of those who lived before, uh, just uh, in concurrence with the uh, time of Noah. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 2 looks to this theme of personal eschatology with this language of the end. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house to a house of feasting. What is the house of mourning? Why are people mourning? Well, this is common language for funeral occasions and funeral circumstances, funerary circumstances. It's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting because that is the end of every man and the living takes it to heart. The living can ponder his end. It is proper and good to think about personal eschatology. What will be the end of our personal lives? What will be the end of your personal life? Um, Will you spend eternity in heaven? Will you spend eternity in hell? These are crucial questions to ask. But there in the Old Testament, that language of the end is used to speak to those concerns. The language of the end is uh, used to speak of corporate eschatology, the end of all, t- all things as we know it, the end of human history. And Daniel frequently uses this language in terms of the end. Daniel 8 and verse 9 He said, Behold, I am going to let you know what will occur at the final period of the indignation, for it pertains to the appointed time of the end. And God then goes on to share what is going to happen at the end. Or Daniel 12, 13 Then you will enter into rest and rise again from your allotted portion. When will the resurrection from uh, the allotted portion happen? At the end of the age. Amos 8 and verse 2, the latter portion of that verse. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Uh, Note again that even this language of the end is used in various ways in the Old Testament. Uh, Sometimes of the very end, sometimes the very end of a person's life, sometimes the very end of um, nations. In the New Testament, we find that this language of the end is used of... 
personal eschatology, uh, a person's particular death. Matthew 10, verse 21 and 22. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Now, it's not all who endure to the end of human history who will be saved. Rather, the one who is faithful to the Lord to the end of their life will be saved. Corporate eschatology is much spoken of in terms of the end, especially this phrase uh, accompanied by of the age, the end of the age. Uh, But Matthew 28, you know this verse. You probably could quote it. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The end of the age. Um, the age of uh, following Christ and the church. Christ will be with his people until the end of that age. That end speaking to great events that will happen. The end of human history. Luke 21 and verse 9. The, the, the disciples and Jesus' followers, they were just as interested as we are in knowing about the end. They asked questions to Jesus to that end, pun intended. Um, When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. There will be wars and rumors of wars, and then what will come? The end. 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks of this, probably in the language that you would uh, first think of if you think of the term the end in the New Testament. Um, Then comes the end. Finality to what uh, God is uh, proclaiming to us here. Then comes the end when he, that is our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, hands over the kingdom to God, to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. The proper place for us to begin in understanding the New Testament explanations of the end times the New Testament explanations of the end of our particular lives, the proper place to begin is in the Old Testament. It is the best place to look for our understanding of eschatology. As we look to understand it in the New Testament, we find uh, it um, helpfully prefaced for us, presaged for us in the Old Testament. The proper hope, though, and I leave us with this, though this is leaving our theme. Uh, Though we find in the Old Testament the 
firm foundation of language which will help us in understanding the New Testament teaching on the end, we find in the New Testament the one who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, eschatos. That's the language from which we get eschatology, part of it. The beginning and the end, um, uh, the first and last, sorry, last is the eschatos. The beginning and the end, the end there, the word telos, the goal, um, the, the, the thing to which we all look. Um, the New Testament presents for us the hope uh, that, the, that the Old Testament um, hints at. And we find that hope most clearly seen in the Messiah, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Might we look with hope to him as we look to the Old Testament to understand what the New Testament speaks about the end. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we thank you that in your word we find truth, not only truth, but hope. Might our hope be firmly grounded in you as you have, in the blessing of your kindness, given us your word and in it told us of our end personally and of our end in terms of human history. We trust in what you have said. We pray that we might ever find hope in you our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by whom we pray. Amen. Amen.